Hi, well, my name is Fernando Viena, uh, and I am the director of Dear Writer. My earliest positive memories were definitely about snow, not having to go to school, sledding. So I started the company in 77. I remember I went out with 38 snowboards and I came home with 40 because one dealer said, I don't want this crap. He said his name was Jake and he made snowboards. I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> he had this spark. He was so damn determined. Once I just focused all of my energy and my love and my time into making it a sport, that's when everything sort of started to work. Snowboarding made this transition from something that people were afraid of to something that people embraced. 33 million people watched Sean White win the Olympic gold medal. Snowboarding just exploded. Where would my life be today without Jake? He was always there to support and back me. He wanted to get 100 days every year. How am I going to say slow down? Jake could look at us and say, you guys need to speed up. He's really that badass grandpa of snowboarding. Snowboarding was that light that drove him. Surfing on snow. From the very beginning, I was passionate about it. In the back of my mind, I always knew it could be a sport. That is a trailer from the documentary Dear Writer, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome the award-winning filmmaker Fernando Viena, the director of the documentary Dear Writer. The film tells the inspirational story of how Jake Burton Carpenter, the man who pioneered the sport of snowboarding, took a favorite childhood toy and developed it into an international cultural phenomenon. Fernando, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Hi, Matthew. Things are really, really great. Thank you for having me. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, the uh, Just to remind our listeners, the film is Dear Writer. It's uh, released this year, uh, produced by Red Bull Media House, out now in North America on HBO Max, and will be releasing through Universal in Europe and the UK in early 2022. So, uh, Fernando, uh, why don't you uh, get us started uh, and tell our listeners, what is, what is Dear Writer all about? Maybe you can give us a quick synopsis. Well, Dear Writer is the story of Jake Burton Carpenter, who um, is the pioneer of snowboarding, one of the pioneers of snowboarding. Um, you know, he is, uh, you know, as quick, <laughs> I haven't been asked this question very much, like tell us the synopsis. So, yeah. so let, let me work through it. Um, you know, he's, um, it's a classic entrepreneur story. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like goes back to those guys uh, that, that American entrepreneur spirit in the seventies where people actually made stuff. And, um, mm. but what was, what was interesting about Jake is that, is that 
at 12 years old, he fell in love. Well, before then, he fell in love with the ocean. He fell in love with this mm. idea of surfing, mm. right? But he lived in Long Island, and, and, and you know, he would, he would vacation in the winters in Vermont. And he was introduced to the snurfer, which was this little toy. It's like this little, like, I forget, something like a $10 toy. Mm. Um, and it was just like this piece of wood with a rope on it. And as soon as he got on it, like his, his mind just exploded. And he was like, oh, my God, I can actually surf on snow. And, and that became his obsession. And that along with making a lot of money, right? So, so, <laughs> so by the time he, was, he tried his hand at Wall Street, it wasn't working out. And then, you know, he figured, you know, he, he, he needed a get-rich-quick scheme. And he was like, that toy from when I was a kid, that thing, that's a sport. That, that, that can be a sport. And I think that's, that's the key to me, to me getting wealthy, right? And so, mm-hmm. so that's what he did. He, he, he started up this company and he made a bunch of prototypes, took him about a year, made 100 prototypes, and finally came out with, um, with his first snowboard. Uh, and then, you know, as the story goes, it was very rough going from there. Mm. But like you say, he is the, it's the classic American entrepreneur story. I mean, you can go even further back. He's straight out of uh, Thomas Edison or, or those types, you know. Um, um, I, I would say cut of the same cloth, and he was very hands-on, wasn't he? And, he, you know, you, you've got scenes of him actually in the, in the workshop, really, you know, working on each board and each prototype. Um, so very, uh, very, uh, very classic in that sense, a very classic American story, but maybe you can give us a context, uh, cause for, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, are, are younger, uh, snowboarding has been around as long as they know. I mean, give us the context of how groundbreaking he really was. I mean, he, he, you gotta go back to the, to the late seventies, like 1977, right? There was no internet. There was there, there 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 weren't any chat groups or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So so he he's in he's in the northeast and he's trying to make this 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 toy into like a real to like a real sport, this hobby into a real sport. So he's up there doing it um, in in Vermont, which is I don't know how well your listeners know about you know the the topography in in the U.S., but like in Vermont, the snow is hard and icy and wet. Yeah. Colorado, it's soft and beautiful and, and fluffy and super deep, right? So, so he's, he's, he's trying to develop snowboards in this kind of, in this rougher environment, right? And, and he initially, you know, very early on, he figured out that we need to get on the resorts, mm. right? We need, to get, we need to get snowboarding on the resorts. And so, I think more than anything, you know, Jake was responsible for getting the sport on the resorts in, in mm. that period in the 80s, which wasn't hard, which was, they had a ton of pushback, right? Yeah. Like skiers, skiers just weren't having it. They weren't into snowboarders. They weren't into snowboard. They weren't into sharing their mountain with snowboarders, but he persisted and he was resilient. And, um, you know, there were other people doing it. There were other people doing it on the West Coast. And what's funny is when the East Coast and the West Coast, when Jake finally, uh, when, when the worlds collided, if you will, um, that, you know, Jake had a rival in the West Coast and his name's Tom Sims. And through that rivalry, mm. 
the sport really developed, really exploded. Not mm-hmm. not just not just in style, because the West Coast was very more freestyle and and creative in that sense, and the East Coast was kind of more in the downhill skiing tradition. Um, but also in the in how technology just like evolved exponentially during that time. But Jake was always at the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. And and. And the thing that separated Jake from the others was he had a tremendous business sense, right? Mm-hmm. Being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just able to combine his passion for the sport, for making snowboarding a sport, along with his, with his uh, resiliency and need to win, and also his, 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 his business sense. And, you know, coming out of the 80s, Jake was on top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, um... Uh, I'm originally from from Texas, and they they say if Texans were meant to ski, they'd have made bullshit white. But uh, the uh, the uh, I do did do enough skiing to know an early sort of '90s period, and this is when you know snowboarding really was starting to take off, as you document in the film. And I just remember that reaction. You had the your traditional skiers who are like, who are these guys who are taking up? A, all our, you know, our slopes and nearly knocking me down while I'm trying to go, to, you know, and, and all right. this, this bad press that they had. So, um, but he did, I mean, I think, as you said, he's this entrepreneur. I mean, he's like a Steve Jobs character, isn't he? Because it's not just innovation and he's, it's like the ultimate example of, of disruption, isn't it? Taking a, ta- and then making a, a product and a, you know, that people didn't realize they wanted or needed. You know, yeah. in, and then creating this sport absolutely practically from scratch. I mean, as you point out, there were others. There was the West Coast and other people had been looking at this. But his drive was, was in, in doing this was incredible. Um, he wanted, yeah, he saw it as a sport. You know, and I, and I think that's, 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 that's where the difference lies. Yeah. Is that Jake loved competition. He loved sports. He loved the Giants. He loved the Celtics. He loved the Rangers, yeah. right? Yeah. He was passionate about sports. And... Um, and, and he loved the competitive side of it. And, and he loved the competitive side of snowboarding. Um, you know, maybe if Jake hadn't come along, snowboarding would still be around, but it would be more of a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. It would be more of, a, of something, you know, that's done in the, in the back country, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. but Jake, Jake put everything he had into making it a sport. And, and you know, in very, in very short order, it's in the Olympics. Yeah. And yeah. it becomes this just kind of global phenomenon. But he saw something that wasn't there. And I think when you speak about Steve Jobs, people like that, you know, entrepreneurs like that, they see things that aren't there and, 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 and they envision things that people, they, they don't even know that they want, but when they, when they hear about it, they're going to they're gonna really want it, right? You know, yeah. whether it's yeah. an iPhone or snowboard. But he changed winter in a lot of ways. He changed mm-hmm. winter sports. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible legacy, the legacy of having mm. fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what you, in your film, um, I think I, I do remember even, I think it was one of his sisters stressing that the one thing their dad stressed was being passionate about something. And there's, there's that element too. He was passionate about, like you said, this early beginnings, fell in love with the ocean, surfing, snow, he talks, he talks eloquently about uh, how he fell in love with snow, and then this. So he just had this, and and you know he was as you said he tried Wall Street, and it just wasn't 
working for him in that sense. And uh, he did have this passion, and he followed it. Um, but I think as you're pointing out, I mean, this whole cultural awareness he had, what he tapped into that others didn't see, this sort of nonconformist, you know, he's a baby boomer, but he's this nonconformist Gen Xers, now millennials. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a brilliant marketer, isn't he? You know, it's like art meets oh, sports sure. meet alt culture. I mean, it's just incredible, this whole thing that he tapped yeah. into. And and in those early days, he had his hands in everything, in the mm-hmm. design, the design of the boards and the graphics on the boards and the marketing. You know, he would, he you know, like he would send out the brochures. He would write the intros to the brochures. Like he did everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and... What, what, what were you saying in the beginning of that? Because I, I wanted to, to follow up on... Well, they're just uh, tapping into this, this, uh, this, this, this culture, oh, yeah. this market, yeah, you, all, you know. No, initially, in it, initially, Jake thought that the, uh, that the people who were going to buy his boards were going to be 25 and 30-year-olds, and right? Yeah. Kind of his age, 25, 35. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe guys that grew up with the Snurfer and knew, knew what that was. But... Very early on, he realized that the people who were buying snowboards were 14, 15 yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah. And that was his core audience, right? His buyers, right? And, um, and, and he adjusted. And that's what he always did. He always adjusted. He always adjusted. And it was like, wow, snow, the future of snowboarding isn't downhill racing. It's, mm. it's freestyle. He, 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 he made a correction. You know, he always corrected. And I, and I think that gave him... That gave him the ability to to you know keep up and always yeah. be innovative. I mean, I think that's a great example, and I, I, it's kind of a hilarious scene in some ways. The scenes of uh, his his team showing up in these sort of aerodynamic suits, you know, like downhill racers, and then running into the West Coast guys who are like had their little whole you know We're way cooler, way cooler, definitely way cooler. Those other guys look like something straight out of a comedy, really. Um, it, yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, um, I, you know, Jake, Jake spent a lot of time with Ben Bryan uh, from Red Bull Media House putting this film together mm. while he was alive, right? Maybe for maybe over a year, doing the timelines, doing mm. doing the research, and you know, one of the things that Jake wanted and was important to him is that you know the whole story be told. He goes, I didn't invent snowboarding, right? No. It, you know. Um, and I wasn't the only guy out there and I wasn't always right. You know, like it all has to, we're going to tell the story. We should tell like the story in its entirety. And, and it's funny. And I love it because in a lot of the eighties, Jake is kind of like, you know, he's, he's, he's in a lot of ways catching up to other people who are kind of, who are, have maybe a bit more in a, like their, 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 the innovation of their, of their boards and their designers are maybe a little bit ahead of Burton. Mm-hmm. So Burton's catching up. And, um, and uh, uh, especially in the culture, right? Like, like you said, they, these guys show up in speed suits in like onesies, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Like giant gloves and giant helmets and, and the dudes from the West Coast are like in t-shirts and jeans. Yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, I think to Jake, it was obvious from pretty early on that 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 freestyle was mm. was the future i mean what do you want uh, one thing then uh because i do want to talk more about you know how the project came about and red bull's involvement and things but one thing that strikes me we've i don't know if you're familiar um 
with uh, Stuart Brand and the whole Earth catalog, but it's it sound it's very similar. It's we, we had a doc on about that a while back, but it's very similar to that. He did something. He did something similar. An annual catalog that would go in. That he would write this letter, and uh, and that's how he would. And he created this huge sort of underground movement. It, now for him, it stayed relatively underground, but for uh, for Jake, I mean this, and uh, hence why where Dear Writer comes from, right? the the title of the film is this this annual letter that he would uh, he would send to his uh, but his ability to create this connection is amazing to me uh, with not just snowboarders just general public but also the professionals as well who have mm-hmm. who really um, quite a sense of loyalty to him for all that he did for them because I mean I guess you think about it if it hadn't if he hadn't been one of the creators of this sport what would what would they have done. You know, they he created a sport that then made them who they are. It's uh, quite amazing. Yeah, I think connection, connection for Jake was everything. Yeah. You know, connecting to his writers, connecting to his friends, to his family, um, and ultimately, you know, I'm not a snowboarder, so I I, I was uh, in, in embraced by this community while I was making the film, and they really are a community. Mm. Like I don't think like unlike most sports, you know, it feels like a community. It feels like one giant extended, extended family. And I think, I don't know, but Burton's like that, you know, they, they have that kind of family vibe and, and Donna and Donna's and Jake's kids. They're, um, they're, you know, they guide, they guide that company and, and, and they put their, 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 um, their influence on it. And, you know, of course Jake did and Jake lo- always led, led the way. And he was kind of like the Pied Piper, like mm. the cruise director of that, of yeah. that whole, <laughs> of that whole crew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, for him, for him, it was, it was connection. And, and, and that it's funny because that's when I first got on the project that, that was, that was my in was how he mm. needed to be connected during the Mother Fisher um, disease. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that takes us to a good point to just give our uh, audience a quick break. But we'll be right back with uh, Fernando Viena, the editor and director of Dear Writer, produced by Red Bull Media House, out now in North America on HBO Max, and releasing through Universal in Europe and the UK in early 2022. If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker where our friends at MovieMaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with award-winning director Fernando Viena, uh, the film's Dear Writer, Recently released, it's uh, produced by Red Bull Media House. It's out in North America on HBO Max. And for those in Europe and the UK, you'll be able to see it. Uh, it's being released by Universal in early 2022. Uh, Fernando, we've been talking about uh, uh, Jake Burton Carpenter, obviously the uh, pioneer, snowboarding pioneer. Um, I mean, uh, anyone watching this most likely knows that uh, Jake is no longer with us. And... Uh, so, uh, you know, we've been talking about his life, but uh, I think one thing that comes out, and you were mentioning this before the break, uh, how you, you, you got started with this, um, um, with his illness. Um, 
he he fought death as hard as he as he played, didn't he? I mean, that yeah. certainly comes out loud and clear. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and he, had he a passion for living. Like, yeah, that's it's articulated in in the little bird story in the film. But he had a he had a tremendous passion for living. Yeah, uh, cancer. What was this? He had this rare disease. I mean, this was just incredible. What what was that that he had? It, the the disease is uh, Miller Fisher sy- okay. syndrome, which is um, uh, it's 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 horrible. It's yeah, uh, indeed. It, it causes paralysis in the body, blindness. Uh, you're essentially locked in, right? Yeah. But the thing about it is that you do recover from it. You know, Amazing. you you recover yeah. from it, but, but you don't know how long that recovery is going to take. But meanwhile, meanwhile the person is locked in their body and, but their mind is fine. Their mind is functioning fine. Uh, which it sounds super terrifying, but in Jake's case, he could still move his hand, right? Mm. He could move one hand. So he was able to communicate with that one hand. And it was that need to connect, that need to communicate, uh, which, which really inspired me, you know, in the, mm. in, the very, mm. in the very, very beginning. Because I didn't know who Jake was when I first heard about the project, and um, I put together a proof of concept before I met J- Jake for the interview, um, and I and and a lot of that proof of concept was based on on him and his and his him needing to communicate while he had Miller Fisher through through those mm. note cards. Mm. Yeah, and you've got so I guess what they saved all this. There's stacks and stacks of these of these note cards, aren't there? You, oh yeah. There's, yeah. there's hundreds and hundreds. Yes. So, I mean, that you were kind of mentioning it earlier. So how did this, uh, how did this project come about? Uh, you said he was already orchestrating or helping with this even before his death. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, for like a year and a half, he was working with Ben Bryan and, um, and to, you know, figure out what it was going to be like, what, what they were, what they were going to cover doing, doing the timelines. Um, I had worked with Ben on another film. I, he, mm. he hired me to direct my, my first film, which is any one of us. And mm. while we were in the finishing stages of that film, Ben told me about, about the Burton film, about, about Jake's story. And I didn't know who Jake was, but he told me, look, if you're interested, we can definitely interview you interview with Jake, um, but there's gonna be a lot of other j- directors interviewing as well. So I, I knew that the only way I had a shot mm. was, was to actually show Jake something, right? Because yeah. yeah. I had yeah. nothing, my movie hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. I, I couldn't just like charm him in, into working with me, right? right. So, so I shot something, so I did a bunch of research and I reenacted a few scenes and, and I shot a seven minute proof concept which when I met Jake, I did show him. So I met Jake for 20 minutes yeah. um, in our interview. And he was, he, was, he was like he is in the movie. He was very generous, yeah. uh, kind, you know, make, trying to make me feel comfortable, right? Uh, and then um, we had this great session. But leaving, I, 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 think I, I realized, um, I thought, oh, I'm not really connected. I don't know if I connected with Jake yet. Right. So as I was leaving, as I was leaving the, the, the interview, I looked at him and I was like, you know, Jake, if we did this together, we'd have a lot of fun, right? <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, then, and then he looked at me like a bit sideways and I, and I looked back at him and I was like, oh, I just blew that. 
And yeah. then I was like, all right, well, look, lovely to meet you. And, and, and I left and, um, and they, they, he did choose another director at that time. Okay. Right. But the funny thing is I didn't know about have as much fun as possible at that mm. point. Mm. I didn't realize that that was like his main theme. Right. It's yeah. just something that came to me. I was like, we'd have a lot of fun together. Cause I really felt it. Cause he was so awesome. Like just yeah. such, such a good guy. Right. And, um, and he was really moved by what he saw. So I was like, yeah, we'd have a lot of fun. Um, well, what, what happened was like months later, um, towards the end of 2019, the first director had to drop out. And, um, and so they were going to open up the, the, the selection process again. Yeah. Um, but then Jake got sick yeah. like very soon after. Right. And, and, you know, he passed a few weeks after his, were right after his first chemo treatment. Um, so uh, we had to, you know, they, they were, I, you know, the family and Red Bull and HBO were wondering whether the movie was still going to go on, but the family, right. right, family decided that the film should go on because that's what Jake wanted, yeah, right. So, 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 so at that point, um, instead of opening up the process to more, to you know, to more interviews, the family uh, chose me, you know, wow. to to direct the film. And based off that 20 minute meeting, you, you, you know, um, because J- Jake, Jake wanted an established director to tell the story and, yeah. uh, and I totally under- understood that, but he was still trying to figure out a way for me to be involved. Wow. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be involved in any capacity, but as a director. So, so mm-hmm. I, I declined, um, but Jake passed in at, towards um, late November, 2019. Mm. And by January 2020, we were in Colorado with the family, mm. uh, myself and the, and the family, and and um, talking about the new creative, yeah, how we were going to tell the story now. And and the thing that came out of that meeting was we're going to tell the story in Jake's words as much as much as possible, and Jake's going to narrate his story as much as possible. But at that point. It was January 2020, and we had this. We came up with this whole new creative that then we had to completely redo again a month and a half later when everything shut down. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a that's a quite an amazing story. I mean, an an example of how Jake, you know, he's he's made a lot of a difference in a lot of people's lives, and obviously made a difference in 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 your life as as well. And uh, I mean, so with that with COVID hitting and. So you have to decide to tell the story a little differently. Uh, I mean, how it, how much different is this film than what it would have been if COVID hadn't happened? Way different. Yeah. <laughs> Way different. <laughs> yeah, we well, we were going to travel a bunch. We were going to go. We were yeah. going to go to Chile and Austria, like all the big spots, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to go to Vermont. Yeah. You know, um, and it was it was, you know. It was still going to be an archive film, but it wasn't going to be so much of an archive film. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what we did was, you know, like end of end of March, I I I was talking to our our producers, and I was like, you know, we need to come up with a plan that we can make a movie, right? We can make this movie and not leave our homes until until we're finished, right? And they, and they're like, well, what do you mean? And like, I I just yeah. I just don't know how long this is going to go. I mean, it yeah. could go months and months. And like, 
I don't want to, I don't think we should be planning on trips and then not being able to, you know, to kind of, to pull them off. And then we have to fi- figure mm. something else out in three or four months. So we decided to make, we decided to just like go deep into the archive and make it and make it even more of an archive film than, than, mm. than we had initially planned. Right. Um, but here's the other thing uh, that came out of it is that now we had more money for music. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, so we have, I love our soundtrack. I do too. <laughs> Jonathan Hack, put it together, yeah. music supervisor. He just went above and beyond yeah. when he needed to spend to get these songs in our, in our film. And we, I, I, you know, I could work 20 more years. I don't know if I'll ever have a soundtrack. But it was because they weren't, they weren't going to travel. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you. Cause I mean, cause I mean, or was this a challenge? I mean, you come to this as not as a snowboarder yourself. So that has its benefits and its challenges, I imagine, especially working with this community. Uh, but what are the challenges of making a film about such, not just an, just as such an iconic individual, but such a high adrenaline sport and you've got to live up to those high energy standards that I think snowboarding has set, you know, and the cultural side, which is the music, which is why I've got it written down here to ask you about the music. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's quite a, quite a ask, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I think, I think, um, and especially like not being a snowboarder, you mean? Yeah. Right, right. Um, well, I did have snowboarders. I mean, mo- most of our core creative group was made up of snowboarders. Yeah. So I ironically was the only one who wasn't, yeah. right? So, so uh, Rose Core, who is ed- edited the film and is just incredibly mm. gifted, is also a gifted snowboarder. Ben Bryan snowboarded since he was a kid. So right, I, right. they all know, they all very yeah. much plugged in, in into that community. Um, but for me, I think... Um, I actually prefer not to know anything about a subject while I'm working on it because, because I have no bias. I have no prejudices. I, I, I have, um, and, and, I'm, and it just sparks my curiosity even more than normal. So I like look everywhere, you, you know, and, and ways to interpret ways to understand. So a lot of times the, the film ends up being me figuring out what this is all about. Mm. Right. Mm. As opposed to me telling you what it is. Yeah. You know, um, because because uh, the cool thing about the cool thing about the last three weeks since the movies come out is that we we've, we've had a lot of snowboarders, a lot of old school Burton guys, a lot of old school people from that just been snowboarding since the '80s come up to us and tell us we learned so much watching that film. Mm. Can't believe how much we learned. I thought it goes. I thought I thought I knew the whole story. There was mm. stuff in there I never even heard about. You know, and like. That that part of it really uh, makes me happy, because it's it's a testament to how all of us just dug in and mm. we're just like let's just keep digging and digging and digging and digging, um, and let's get the best stuff and let's find let's find the best stories and let's connect all the dots. But I also think like you know I edited for 20, almost twenty years. Yeah. So, I, I have a good editorial sense in that mm. respect. But, I know, I know, um, I mean, my, I think my instincts are, are good when it comes to pace and rhythm and style yeah, and, yeah. and, and I knew the dear writer sections in the film need, needed to be a little extra, right? They needed, they needed to have a little bit more juice. Yeah. 
And yeah. so I, I brought in a big gun for that. This is yeah. an editor called Doobie White. Yeah. Who's uh, one of my oldest friends and, uh, and a phenomenal editor, but he can do some crazy stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I need you. I need these three scenes to just really just like pop, you know? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. He's able to bring that. Well, that's uh, when you said big gun, I thought you're also going to talk about Woody Harrelson. And oh, I- yeah. Well, he's the biggest <laughs> of all the guns, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, see, what, 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 what happened was, um, was, you know, when we first started editing, we, you know, like early, early days, I'm talking about like March, maybe, maybe, maybe not even April. I'm like still in March and mm-hmm. Rose is on. And so we're talking and we just like, what about this? What about that? And then, so I'm talking to her and I'm like, you know, these catalogs are really interesting. Yeah. And she's like, he's like, oh, the ones, his, his intros. I'm like, yeah, there's something there. And yeah. then she's like, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, what if, what if we just string them out throughout the piece and, and Jake narrates the rise of snowboarding in these little sections, right? Cause that's what he's doing in the catalogs. Yeah. He's like, he's like telling people, you know, snowboarding, where snowboarding is at that particular time in, in, in the history. So, so we were, we were working that out. And at the same moment, I think, I think one of us said, you know, he always says dear writer in the beginning. Right. And at the same moment, we, we were both were like, is that the title of the film? Yeah. yeah. Like that might be the title of the film. Dear, and so we just, we just, and then, and then, and then we knew that we knew that Woody Harrelson was a friend of Jake's okay. and he was on the interview list, but I just didn't want to interview him as a celebrity like subject. Yeah. Right. But I, but as soon as we thought of the dear writer, uh, um, uh, you know, sections, he was the first person that came to mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he was, you know, generous enough to, to, to do it. Well, he's he's extremely generous because I think this may be the second, if not the third doc that he, we've had on that he's had narration. So we know oh, what he was we know what he was doing during the pandemic. He was narrating documentaries, <laughs> <narrated> basically. Documentaries. <laughs> but yeah, again, it, but it's a similar Sorry. story. These no, they, the one one filmmaker set of filmmakers we had. Yeah, indeed, they just uh, somehow they had this connection to him and um, called him up. And he said, "Yeah, sure, man, no problem." You know, I'll, I'll narrate your doc. I mean, it's just uh, so he sounds uh, sounds like a very generous soul. In, in he that way. he is he's, yeah. he's, he's super generous, but he also he also knew Jake. Yeah, and partied with Jake, <laughs> and yeah, and, and so he knew he knew he knew he knew the man, right? Yeah, he knew. The yeah. Man. And I think I think we just just a phenomenal job of of helping us connect to those words. And by the end of the, the last couple of dear writers where they get a little bit more kind of, they're about something more than snowboarding. They're about his, his personal life. Right. Like right. it, I, I, at that point, he's just channeling Jake. Yeah. You know? And it's so, it's so great because it's not, it's not a long, they're not long narrations, but they're, but they're very powerful. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. And I think you're right about making, I mean, uh, if I think if you told people in a proof of concept or something that you're going to have, you're going to read sections of a catalog, and it's going to be an interesting, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, documentary. But it, they do pop. There are just some incredible scenes. Some of that footage. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm not a snowboarder myself, but I'm wishing I had become one because it looks looks like amazing, amazing. Yeah, fun. yeah. Those scenes. Yeah. Those scenes. When you play them in audiences. Yeah. 
during the film, people clap. Yeah. Yeah. People clap after those scenes, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's the only time they clap in the movie during the movie, right? Yeah. After each one, I, I think it's a combination of, of how cool those scenes are, but the music mm. and everything, but also more importantly, like Jake, it's like Jake talking to the audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and people get, people get really, they, they, they respond to it for sure. And what's it like working with Red Bull? I mean, I've, I've, don't, this is your second documentary with them. Is that right? This is my second documentary right. as a director, but I've worked with them, you know, on, on other projects, Okay, like on the editorial side. Um, I, I love them. I yeah. love them. I didn't even know they made movies. Well, that's what until, I was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't even know they made movies until until I got I got um uh somebody suggested they hire me to do a polish on a film called The Fourth Phase, mm -hmm. which was a, a big epic snowboarding adventure film. Um, all, you know, snowboarder. Uh, um, so, so sorry. Uh, yeah. So they go all around the world, yeah. traveling, chasing winter. Right. Yeah. Um, and then and then I uh, I. Jake, I mean, sorry, uh, Ben and I just formed this really, this really strong bond working on yeah. that film. And during the making of that film, he was like, well, we have this other project, which is more of a, of a, of a, it's about a mountain biker who suffers a spinal cord injury. Mm. And, and, it's, and it's more of a, it's like self-shot. So basically an archive film, no, yeah. hardly anything yeah. to be done. So um, I was like, I'm, I'm in, I'll do it, you know? And um and it was, it was such a great experience. And that small film turned into a bigger film, right? And we, we explored bigger themes than we initially uh, had, had in mind. And it did, it did very, very well. It got picked up by HBO. Mm. And, um, but Red Bull, they, they're just very uh, supportive of your creative kind of mm. ideas. I mean, creative intuition, you, mm. you know, especially Ben and 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 his team and um yeah i, I they do things differently they're not than like I a normal yeah company, yeah right but but i like it yeah. i like it. it it's it feels it feels like um they they want to put all the money up mm -hmm. on the screen and they want it to look they want to they want the film to be as as good as it can possibly be mm. uh and um and you know, I don't think that's always the case in my twenty years, twenty years of yeah. experience. Right? But with them, it is, and um, and it's such a pleasure, and uh, and and it really is fun to to work with those guys. Mm. And is that how you moved into directing? Because as you're saying, you had this extensive edit editor experience, and then it's through with them that you're they mm -hmm. again allowed your creativity to move. You you were able to move into directing. Absolutely. Uh, Ben gave me my first shot. He gave me yeah. my first break. And um, it's, it had been something that I had been wanting to do for a while. Yeah. Um, 20 years of editing is a long time. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. a long time. And you're basically in a, in a, in a dark, in a windowless room. And That's what I and, hear. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so uh, you know, by the time I was in my mid-40s, I was like, oh, I'm kind of done. Yeah. I'm kind of done with that, you, you, you know, and yeah. um, but I didn't really know how to make the transition because, mm. you know, I'm in L.A. A lot of like everybody wants to direct in L.A. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, was like, <laughs> so I was like, how am I going to do that? And then, you know, um, 
Ben, Ben gave me my shot. He gave me my shot. He gave me a chance and he supported, he supported me throughout that whole process, even in the very early days of that project where I really felt like I didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, he was like, he was like super calm and, and just te- teaching me the ropes. Okay. And what's next for you in terms of projects? Well, well right now I'm directing a new project for HBO. Okay. It's about the life of Oscar De La Hoya, the boxer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's super fun. And um, we're just getting started, but it's a big story. Yeah. It's like, it's like a family, uh, it's a family drama, really, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a family that suffered a great lo- loss when they're, when, when Oscar's mom died when he was 17. Yeah. And uh, it's really, as much as it is about boxing, it's about, it's about how that fa- family has, uh, has endured the last 20, 25 years. Oh, wow. Well, if we haven't uh, frightened you off, we, when that's done, we'd love to have you back on again to discuss, uh, to discuss to that, that one. That yeah, that'd be great. And uh, before, I think we're coming to the end of our time together, but before I let you go, is, are you an artist? Is that your studio behind you? This is my wife's ah. art. Yeah, yeah, her name is, <laughs> is Flor Quinto. She's, she, she's wonderful. I did go to art school, but I don't make art anymore. That, 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 <laughs> this is her stuff, um, and uh, it's the coolest room in the house. So that's why I, I always do my my pod, my stuff from here. Okay, no, I was going to say it's looking very cool. I was going to have you maybe give us a tour of all your artwork, but uh, we'll have to uh, give our compliments to her because I think it's it looks great. Uh, I would love to have a room like that in my house. So uh, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Sure she'll be happy. Hey, well. Uh, Fernando, thank you so much for uh, for being on the Factual America podcast. It's been a joy having you uh, on. It's um, just to remind our listeners and and uh, viewers that uh, we've been talking with Fernando Vienna, director of Dear Rider, produced by Red Bull Media House, out now in North America on HBO Max, and releasing through Universal in Europe and the UK in early 2022. Fernando, thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. So I'd like to give a big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in Eskrik, England. And a big thanks to Nevena Paunovic, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such great guests like Fernando onto the show. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.